You're listening to the Happy Pill Podcast with Ursula Yerdung, a podcast about sharing my trials through trauma and mental health issues. This may be my journey, but I'm not alone in these issues. Thank you for listening. Welcome, friends. Today, I'm keeping things simple. I am going to be talking about some other Instagram accounts that I follow and share what they are talking about. Maybe you follow them, maybe you don't. But here is something that I find is just, it's so impactful because I don't always have the words. I can't always explain some of the stuff that I go through. So we have other resources. We have other accounts because there's so many people that are going through what we're going through. Here is one account that I follow and they are actually called the Depression Project. Their their username is Real Depression Project. So you can follow them on Instagram if you'd like. Here's one of their posts that they had just recently put up. So, and I'm quoting them, of course, this is not me. For those who lived through childhood depression, there's this weird part of it that surfaces in adulthood that many people experience. Where on one hand, you're so proud of yourself for making it that far and getting through those dark days. But then on the other hand, you feel like you're trailing behind others and that you're not where you should be. This is because we're so busy surviving that you weren't able to envision what you wanted your future to look like and actually plan for that. Often there was a part of you that didn't think you would actually reach adulthood. You were so focused on putting one foot in front of the other, you couldn't see beyond childhood. While others who didn't have depression at that time could and were able to plan for it. People often talk about how debilitating depression is when you're in it. But even when you're outside of it, there are still battles. They just look different. So that is one of them. I found that to be so true because I don't know about you friends, but I should on myself so much. I really should be showering every day. It is crazy how much I should. And I've always felt that that's why I resonated with that quote so much because so much of me has always felt like I should be here. I should be that. I should be doing this. This is where I should be in my life, in my career, which I feel like at this point I'm on long-term. I don't have a career. You know, I'm doing the podcast as a hobby and also as therapy. It is a way for me to express. This is one form of my therapy. So I create it because I have to talk. That's just what I need to do. So why not share with others who may be going through the same stuff? That's what I do. So there's still so many times I should, even in my therapy, you know, I should be doing this meditation. I should be getting to 30 minutes. I, I should be practicing this all the time. And I put such rigid and high expectations on myself that really there's only one thing for me to do. And that's to fail because it's so, I've made it so insurmountable because I keep shooting on myself. Should is such a negative word. And it really needs to be taken out of our dictionary because it can be very toxic and it can also be very guilt inducing. Have you noticed that? How often do you should on yourself about things, where you are, with your family, with your job, with your health? Hmm, right? Good question. So here is something else the Real Depression Project talked about as well. They had posted this on January 3rd. What depression guilt looks like. We're just kind of talking about it, right? And so these are some of the quotes from other people who have submitted what they feel guilty about. Quote, feeling guilty whenever I feel good because others deserve it more than me. Like I can't allow myself to feel happy when others are suffering. Right? Another one. 
feeling guilty because of my reactions. I get triggered into feeling angry or upset over small things. I can't help it, but I feel so bad for it. Feeling guilty because I have a lot to be grateful for, yet I still have depression. Oh my God, are you resonating with any of these? Because I know I certainly am. Feeling guilty because I believe I brought depression on myself. Like it's my fault, even though I would never say that about someone else. So that is another post that I absolutely resonated with. You know, again, you come back to the shoulds and how it elicits guilt, right? By feeling and thinking and believing that we should be somewhere else when we're not, or we're not validating our emotions as part of a trauma response or a depression response. And not just accepting that I am reacting because of a depression response, a traumatic response, right? We're not giving ourselves permission. I can't say for you, let me rephrase that. I am not giving myself permission for what I am feeling in that moment. I always come at it from a place of guilt. Like I shouldn't be feeling that yet. Haven't I had 30 years of healing? Yes, I have. However, oh my God, this is so vast because I have had so many different kinds of therapists that help me at a different level. Every level I go, I go deeper and deeper. And here's one thing I learned so clearly, friends, so far is that I have learned so much and yet I know nothing compared to what is still out there, what information is still out there. There is still so much for me to learn. Yet I actually feel a bit excited about that because what is coming through is I am resonating. Just those two quotes from, or sorry, those two posts from the Real Depression Project, Real Depression Project, let me correct myself, is just that resonance of going, oh my gosh, yes, they're saying what I'm feeling, which is awesome. So it's so important to share it. Here is another one that I wanted to share as well, because it really, it, it just hits home. Here's what they say. What people often think those in a depressive episode want is for them to talk about what they're going through and as a result may even force conversation to do so. However, the reality is, is that it's often too difficult to talk in a depressive episode because you can't explain what's going on in your head as you can hardly make sense of it in that moment yourself. So you are mentally and emotionally exhausted that you've totally shut down and can't engage with the world around you. And you're also so tired from being in quote, living mode that you just want to exist without the expectation of more, at least until the storm passes. Like absolutely. And you know, even as much healing as I have done, I still have those moments where I'm just in it. And truthfully, I actually shelter myself. I isolate myself. It's hard on my partner, but it's not about my partner. It's I am protecting her from what I am feeling and thinking and potentially, potentially saying, right? I want to protect her and shield her from my energy because I know that I'm in this funk. I know that I'm in that depressive state and she doesn't need to feel the impact of it. I just need to work through it. I need to understand it. I need to bring in my techniques. I need to bring in my healing techniques, my, my breathing. Also the, um, the emotional response technique. If I, if I'm, if it's too much for me, do the EFT emotional freedom technique, the tapping that I need to do. Maybe I just need to distract myself with a game or have a cup of tea or just be by myself because If I'm going to wallow, I don't want others to wallow with me. 
you know, that's part of my guilt aspect as well, is that I don't want other people to go through that. It's hard enough for me to go through it as it is. I don't need others to do that. And I am aware enough to go, you know what, baby, this isn't about you. This is just me. I need my time and I will come through it. I will come through it because I, because I have. So if you have a chance to follow Real Depression Project, I hope you do so. Here's another one that I would like to share. This, this is a, another Instagram account that I really do like and follow. And I'm just finding like, oh, the, you know, they hit, right? It's, it's like what Oprah calls that aha moment. And it just pings. And I'm like, I get that sensation of just like, wow, I just got that. So here is what I want to share. And this one is called Realized Empath. Love it. And it's just that Realized Empath. Actually, let me look at the... Her name, oh, here we go, Kristen Schwartz. So, wow, amazing. Um, I love I love her work. So here is what she's saying on one of them. You know, are these empath traits or trauma responses? And I was just like, I don't know. I, I've never been aware of that term, trauma response, until you've heard me talk about it in this episode. And I was like, oh, wow, well, like, how was that different? So here she goes is in saying that empath traits are highly empathic, keen senses, notices subtleties, tunes into mood shifts of others, feels slight changes in energies. Okay. So the trauma response is, or sorry, trauma symptoms is exactly the same as the empath traits. Highly empathic, keen senses, notices subtleties, tunes into mood shifts of others, feels slight changes in energy. I had no idea. I was like, oh, so what I'm thinking could be empathic is in fact just a trauma response. She continues to go on here. Trauma can cause an enlarged amygdala, which is a brain change. And this is actually, I have read this in multiple books as well, that trauma does change the brain. It does have a physical impact on the brain. And that is why it's called brain trauma. It is a brain injury, right? So, oh, so much information. So as she says, the amygdala, the, sorry, the amygdala identifies threats and impacts decision-making and emotional responses. When needed, threat detection takes control over other parts of the brain. This leads to a hypervigilant state, that's me, scanning our environment looking for threats, that's me, subtle changes in body language, energy, and more. Hypervigilance keeps us in fight or flight mode, constantly flooding the body with stress chemicals. Absolutely me, which is why my cortisone levels are like totally shot and I have like chronic fatigue and severe chronic insomnia, right? Because I'm constantly in fight or flight mode. She goes on to say, a body regularly flooded with toxic chemicals breaks down thyroid problems, adrenal fatigue, failure, autoimmune, and more. Exactly. Exactly what I have. So, and she says, it's less about the label and more about your experience. How do you feel? Do you enjoy your life? Do you feel safe in your body? Is your nervous system often dysregulated? Are you stuck in repetitive thought and behavioral patterns? Do you have safe connections? Do you care for yourself the way you need? Really, really, really amazing. And so I hope you take some of that information for yourself and do you resonate with it? You know, it, are you having a little bit of that moment as well? Like, 
I know I do. I, I just, it's, wow. <laughs> I don't feel safe in my body. I don't. I haven't since the age of three. I just haven't. That's, that's just trauma. How do I feel? I am always exhausted. Absolutely, unequivocally exhausted. You know, and I was telling um, a nurse yesterday, I'm working with a nurse who is helping me with my, um, with my diet and nutrition. As So this is someone new that I'm working with. And, you know, when it says, how do you feel? And I have this constant exhaustion. Like there was only twice in my life that I can actually remember sleeping soundly and actually feeling rested the next day. So this is what I was explaining to the nurse who then replied that this is what is affecting my sugar, my depression, my energy, everything, right? It's such a factor that one thing leads to another. And because of that depression and because of the insomnia and the exhaustion, it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. Not fun. Two times in my 50 years have I noticed that I actually slept well. It's, right? Trauma, depression, anxiety, they absolutely have a physical impact. This is the last one I'm going to share with you today. And it is still by her, the real, realized empath. Here's what she's saying. Believing you have to understand thought and feeling is a trauma response. Oh my God. Overthinking, overanalyzing, and over-rationalizing are coping techniques we learned early on to help us make sense of an unpredictable environment that makes us feel unsafe. The need for safety manifested into a need to control. The safety we desire lies in expanding our window of tolerance, not in the numbing of our sensitivity. Oh God, once again, just hitting so true the constant overanalyzing. And then this is something that I do as well. Not only overthinking and overrationalizing, but overblaming, right? Here I'm coming back to the blaming aspect and feeling guilty and that I should be, right? So I overanalyze a situation so much because I'm looking at worst case scenarios and constantly worst case scenarios to how to get out of it, how to protect myself with always the idea of keeping myself safe. It is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting um, being that, that aware, that aware, that not even aware, that hypervigilant. It is really exhausting. And one thing I have, and this is what I call ACD. You probably heard me talk about that before. I call it anal compulsive disorder as opposed to OCD, which is obsessive compulsive disorder. Why do I call it anal? Because it really annoys me and honestly, my need for controlling everything has really limited the functions of my life. Because I have to try and control everything, it's the energy it takes and the tension in my body that it makes me feel so tired, so exhausted, so stressed, so stiff. There is no flexibility for me. I'm really struggling with flexibility and allowing flow to happen in my life because at the moment, I still don't trust flow. How do I flow with life? How do I trust life when the earliest uh, phases of my life were in trauma, was abuse, was neglect, was abandonment? So my early lessons were had already set me off, right? And it's just like in that uh, Real Depression Project, they had talked about that. When you have such early childhood trauma, you don't think of 
being able to make plans and the life kind of plans that you want to have of success, of love, of career, of friendships, and of relationships. Because it's always coming from a place of trauma first. It's always about safety first. That's how it's been for me. So I want to thank you, friends, for listening to um, to these quotes. These are not my quotes, but I felt like it was so important to share this information. It is that sharing the magic. I do not have all the answers. No one has all the answers. We just all have different information that we are sharing. As always, I'm ending with you are worthy. You are valid. You are beautiful. Your mind matters. I will talk to you next time, friends. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you require more support and information on depression, please contact your local health care provider, distress center, or in Canada, go to canada.ca and search mental health support, get help.